All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, note to self. This is Peter from North Carolina. Uh, One of the things that I'm thinking about and struggling with is this idea of echo chambers. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and Peter is not the only one who has been thinking about echo chambers. This idea that when we go online, we're surrounded by like-minded people. News that reinforces what we already think. Ideas that make us believe our view of the world is shared by most everyone else. Because the algorithms on Facebook, in Google News and other places, they show us what they think we want to see. It's their business model to make us feel good, not uncomfortable, right? And it's one of the reasons why Trump's win was such a surprise to Clinton supporters. So in an effort to try and shake up our echo chambers, to pierce the filter bubble, and it doesn't just have to be about politics, we want to share an old episode that we did with two friends of the show. Tracy Clayton, she's co-host of the BuzzFeed podcast, Another Round, and Katie Natopoulos, she's co-host of another BuzzFeed podcast called Internet Explorer. We taped this way before the election, and then shaking the echo chamber kind of felt like something good to do, right? A, a nice step towards an expanded mind. But now it feels a lot less optional. So what better time to hear the unusual advice again, or for the first time, from these two smart women who are working hard to feel infuriated just the right amount. Tracy, why is that important? Like, if people are like, you know what? I don't know. I'm living my life. It's all good. I see these people. These are the issues that affect me. Like, what's the point? Well, I think if you're okay with living in a constant state of just stasis, then, you know, that's fine. But I mean, the way that we grow and change and the way that our thoughts advance, you know, they have to be challenged by something else. They have to see. I always love the question about, like, how can I, like, diversify, like, my my life, my point of view. And our basic instruction was try. Like, just try. Like, there is such Mm -hmm. a wealth of information out there. There's so many different types of people. And with the Internet and social media, you know, you have direct access to, like, those voices, like, straight from the horse's mouth. Okay, so, Katie, do you find, because, of course, the Twitter algorithm and all these social media algorithms, like, once you choose someone, they're like, oh, you followed that person. That means you might want to follow these people. And, like, it's always people in the same sort of wheelhouse. Well, I think it I would say it's not so much the built-in Twitter recommendation, but if you follow someone who has diverse interests, they're going to be retweeting and mentioning other people. And so a lot of the people that I followed I found because somebody I knew retweeted this person and I liked what they had to say. And by following new and weird people, you end up finding all the new and weird people they know. What about Facebook? 
I mean, the problem with Facebook is that it's your friends, right? Mm-hmm. And you're stuck with them. <laughs> so it does, I mean, it becomes this, by default, if it's the people that, There's you know, the bubble right there. Yeah, the people that you knew growing up, the people that you work with, people, you know, friends from college or something. That's that's very much a bubble. I found that joining a lot of groups um, mm-hmm. really is helpful. I am very liberal with how many groups I will join. I will sign up for any group. And there's a lot of actually Send like – Send your invitations to Canaan and Topless right There's now. a lot of really fun, new, weird groups that people are doing on Facebook. Tell that us kind about of, some of your groups. I think the best one that I recommend everyone in the world join is called Dog Spotting. Okay. And it's really popular and it's probably got like 50,000 people playing. And it's just people post pictures of dogs that they spotted on the street. <laughs> and there's this whole built-in like it's a game. So there's rules like if you spot it and it's a particularly big dog, you get two points. Or, you know, if the dog is wearing a bandana, it gets like an extra point or there's certain flare points. So the idea that you're gamifying taking pictures of dogs you see on the street is really funny. And it's – What's great about that is that all of a sudden your Facebook feed becomes instead of a bunch of things from the people you know, it's A, a bunch of cool pictures of dogs. And then also, you know, you start seeing these names of other people that you've never met before. And like just having that little bit of a window out into the public version of Facebook in a way is I think really fun because if it's – if you just keep it – just reading what your friends are saying, just looking at the news articles that your friends are sharing, it is going to be like a bubble. And I think groups are really uh, a great a great way to do that. And to the point of like the diverse sort of viewpoint of it, I think Twitter is a good one for people to actually be on because it doesn't require you to contribute. You can mm-hmm. just be and enjoy what other people are talking about or – yeah. Past judgment. Too, I know but. a lot of people who use it. They never tweet. They just use it to see what's the like up to the minute news thing. It really gives you a good chance to be just like a fly on the wall, you know, because I feel like people on Twitter are more likely to talk more candidly about things that like concern them in their lives and their own personal experiences with people who have a shared reality. And so, you know, me and like one of my girlfriends from back home, you know, be having a conversation about like this microaggressions or like really racist things that like we have like endured. And I know that from the show, like, I mean, this is what we do on another round too, like having yeah. these discussions. And we get a lot of emails from white listeners that say, you know what, I'm just so glad to be able to sit in on these conversations. You know, like I never had access to them before. And I think that Twitter allows you the same sort of distance from really intimate conversations. So it's just like priceless. I mean, that is such a I count me as one of those people. <laughs> I feel awkward, like looking at you and like I listen to you all the time. And I feel kind of weird being like, by the way, I've been listening in on your discussions right. with your friend Abin. And like, <laughs> I know what you girls talk about. But I do think like there's some basic knowledge gaps mm-hmm. in certain groups of people. And like, thank you for letting me listen is what it sort of feels like in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that this is one of the really great ways that change happens, especially when it comes to like a marginalized group and like a privileged group, because um, when there are like discussions on race, everybody clams up, especially the people who are members of the privileged group, because, you know, they don't want to speak out of turn or be seen as racist or, you know, they may get defensive for perfectly logical reasons. But what should happen on the part of the people in the privileged group is a lot more listening than speaking. So, So, you know, when the marginalized folks are talking, you know, this gives you a great opportunity to just sit and listen and get a glimpse into this reality that you don't know because you don't live it because of like 
normal biological geographical reasons. And so I think that's the power of podcasting and it's the power of Twitter. You know, you you just get to sit back and listen and take notes. Okay, so let's go back to our listener question, which is like, how do I do this? What is one thing a listener can do? They can they stop listening to this podcast and they're like, you know what? I'm going to diversify my life. I'm going to diversify my feed. What should they do? I think there are a lot of really good websites and some journalistic companies, too, that make occasionally good lists of like the top whoever on Twitter, like the top women to follow, the top um, trans advocates to follow. Sometimes they really suck because they can be very um, homogenous, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they do a pretty good job. And I think that's a good place to start if you find that you maybe want some more voices speaking on feminism for one, you know, just type in like feminists to follow on the Googles. You can do your Googles and find a good list of just different people and different voices to follow. But I mean, they're definitely out there. And I think that I and other writers of color often come across the person who was like, hey, you know, can you help me find a black writer to write about this or an Asian writer to write about this? Like, I just don't know where to start. And that to me suggests in addition to just general cluelessness, just like laziness, you know, like, I mean, this is something that you have to try to do. You don't necessarily have to try really hard, but you do have to try. So start with trying yeah. and then graduate to Google and then see where you end up. <laughs> but those are two great ways to start. And like, feel good about yourself for trying. Right? Yeah, definitely. Like, it takes an effort to do this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it does take an effort. All right, Katie, you got one tip? Yeah, sometimes mixing things up can be as simple as trying a new app that's going to serve you articles from a magazine or a website that you don't normally already read, that already isn't part of your daily reading diet, trying something new, for better or for worse. I'm curious to see how people will react to that. So what we're saying is it takes effort. It's worth it to be connected to your fellow human beings, to potentially maybe solve cultural and societal issues that require deeper understanding of how, you know, other people live, right? It's important. It's, is it important? It's definitely important. And just to reiterate, it's definitely worth it. Like whatever discomfort you may come across as you're being challenged with these new thoughts and ideas, you know, just keep in mind that it is expanding your own personal horizons and there's no bad that can come from that. And I also think a good feed should always be 10% infuriating, is the way I think of it. So it's like it shouldn't always be things you like. And I think that's where it's sort of fun to have that little wild element, always making sure that maybe some article is going to come up that really just drives you nuts. Yeah. Um, but that's important, I think. It's important to know what makes you angry just as much as it is to know what makes you nod in agreement. Embrace the discomfort. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Many thanks for listening to this oldie but a goodie with BuzzFeed's Tracy Clayton and Katie Natopoulos. It was produced by Jen Poyant, Ariana Tobin, and Joe Plord with help from the BuzzFeed podcast team and our very own Jenna Cagle and Kat Aaron. I'm Anoush Samarodi. It's Note to Self. Talk to you next week.